Welcome to Recovery Uncovered, your all things recovery podcast. Recovery Uncovered is produced by MHAB Enterprises, a division of the Northeast Group of Companies located right here in Plattsburgh, New York. I'm your host, Mike Carpenter. Affectionately known as MHAB Mike. And I'm your co-host, Betsy Vicencio. Affectionately known as BV the Normie. We have one goal in these podcasts, and that's not to suck. Thanks for tuning in. Everybody, welcome to Recovery Uncovered. This is episode Unlucky Thirteen. Unlucky I do Thirteen. I am your host, Mike Carpenter, affectionately known as Mhab Mike. And this is my co-host, sidekick, pain in the ass, call her whatever you want, Betsy Vicenzio. Be nice to me. Effectively, no, I don't like you today. <laughs> no, I, I don't I even know. know why. I, I don't even don't know. Like yesterday today. afternoon, <laughs> you went. Yeah, I know. I don't you, like you, you today. You pissed me off. You did something I'm and it that irritated I did. I probably me. Probably talked in a full sentence or something, and that just took you right. You said, you said something that pissed me off. Well, I was pissed <laughs> off at Telly first, but then I couldn't be mad at Telly anymore, so I got mad at you. Got mad at me for defending Telly. I'm here for you, Telly. So we got line. like today. It's cool. We got like the three B women. The, the actually four. We got Brianna. We got Bryn, and we got Bitchy Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> the four Bs. It's very cool. Like I'm very excited about. It. And then we got Justin. Yeah, Justin. Yes. Doesn't, Jay doesn't I just want you to in. know that we are surrounded by some pretty amazing and fabulous young people. All four of them. Can before we start that though, can I just say so? So last night I've been talking about this, and I'm all fired up by it. So last night I watched the Watch Crime it. of the Century on HBO, which was part one of the the, the opioid crisis and what happened. And and you know I thought before this when we did the other podcast that the Sackler families and all the people that were involved with Purdue Pharma were were scumbags. I've gone further than that. I, I think they're all pieces of shit that don't even deserve to be walking freely in the earth anymore. It, it is aggravating and maddening. So we're not going to talk about that today, but maybe we'll come back and revisit the fact that these people Are you promoting the crime are, of the century uh, is something that yes, people should very, watch if they want to It's very well done, and, and it, just, it just goes to show you that money and power and corruption cause people like us to, to really struggle, and, and they exploit people, and it's just maddening that that stuff happens. And, you know, um, I've always so said that I've always said that money um, money is really the root of all That's evils. I mean, I think that I think that statement has been around a heck of a lot longer than I have. But when yeah. you see it really come to life like that, money changes people. Yeah. And not that we don't want money or need money to live our lives and to you know to grow into the worlds and the that we want to have, but there is a tipping point where all of a sudden money can take you down a really you know, dark the, path. And and the smugness of these people and the and the and the Ugh. pompous nature yeah. and just this this idea that somehow people who struggle with addiction or poverty or problems in their life are somehow so much worth so much less, less and can it, it's mm -hmm. just it really is just maddening to watch that stuff and, and so yes watch crime of the century i think part two's on tonight although by the time this airs it will be, be <laughs> you'll be over. in rerun status yeah. but anyway i just needed to get that out because i have this tremendous angst and it was just added to last night so I, you know what happened yes last night when i watched it though I, I stopped disliking you as much because I had somebody <laughs> else to really dislike. Oh, that's so great. I, I'm, I'm just, back, I'm I'm just a hair above the Sacklers. Yes, the Sacklers are a piece of shit. No, I'm just a little bit above, above them. Oh, great. All right, Thanks. so we have a we have a uh, we have a great podcast today. Yeah, I think we do. This is going to be really fun. I Super have, I have two people: one who I know pretty well, and one who I don't know so well. But I'm very but we're excited going to know to get to know. And you know what? I'm going to be really nice to you today. 
Really? I'm going to let you introduce our guest today. Oh, my goodness. Go well, aw. And you know what I'm going to do right now while you're talking? Bryn's going to watch me as I'm thinking about what to say based on what you say. <laughs> so that's what we do. Maybe if podcast. I start talking, you'll talk right over me? Probably. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's so great. go ahead. I'm going to give So the floor we have to you. two guests with us today. And uh, I'm, as Mike said, we don't know. I know Justin, Justin Phillips a little bit. Um, Justin uh, works with us at the Northeast Group, and he's also one of our residents over at the MHEB Life Skills Campus. So, Justin Phillips, welcome. We're glad to have you. And Brianna House. Yeah. Brianna <laughs> House from Rome, New York, who yep. is currently a resident at the Mary DeVoe Sober Living House. Yep. And um, so we're excited to have you, Brianna, and you, Justin, joining us today on our, on our podcast. So before we get started, so we don't forget, Let's go with the sweatshirt first. So this week, I'm not even really caustic this week. I went with a, what does mine say today? It's okay to not be okay. This is huh. one of Bryn's kind of, designs. This is one, of, this is one of Bryn's designs. But I think it's cool as hell that that young woman has a shirt on. You need to show your shirt to the people oh, on yeah. the camera because I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's a it says, great make racism wrong again and good for you for Absolutely. sporting that. And I love you, that. You're damn right. Well, I have a bunch more controversial <laughs> shirts. You and I will get a, you and I will get along really well because Maybe it's we one of the like things. Maybe we could have like a competition like yeah. who's got the best yeah. shirt of the day. Right. I yeah. love that. Yes. Thank you That's for sporting great. that. You know we had do you know Dr. Stone, Dave Stone? No. So we had Dr. Stone on who's a, a professor at the college, been in recovery a lot of years and mm -hmm. obviously a person of color and to talk about race and recovery. So one of the, pod it might actually be out today. It's out today, right? yeah. yep. The podcast that got released today was race and recovery. And Dave and I have been friends for years and, and we didn't get into as much about race as we would have liked to. And so we're gonna bring him back and have it. And, and we may bring you back, not to exploit you, but just we think it's important that we talk about that. It's you know one of those things, obviously, it's in the forefront of everybody's mind. Uh, just in general, and we said, let's put a spin on it that has to do with recovery, especially in Plattsburgh, New York, which is a predominantly white community. <laughs> yeah. um, so I know that, it, you know, Dave's talked to me about it a lot of times. So I, I'm glad you sport that. Thank you for that. Don't ever not be caustic. I think it's the coolest thing in the world when people express caustic. themselves. I think that's caustic. I think that's a special message. Yeah, I think you it's great. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's strong. Well it's it willing, you're willing to stand up and say this isn't and okay. Don't be and afraid to, to bring me back for that conversation. I love that. We will. We, we absolutely <laughs> will likely have. I would love to have a female voice in the room with that. See, Justin, Thank you me. don't have anything special to add. So That's you're, you get, you know, you're like a one-time guest. Only. All right. So I think what we're going to do is probably just ask you guys maybe to tell us a little bit about yourselves and you know how you wound up here, and then we'll dive into the whole history and that kind of stuff. And do you would either of you like to go first? How about you, Justin? <laughs> All right, well, yeah, I'm Justin, and uh, I like her. She's spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. So my, I mean, I I went through a lot, but I uh, I pretty much came up to Plattsburgh to to get away from all the negative influences and people in the near Binghamton, right? Near Binghamton, Binghamton, Endicott, New York, and Endicott, yep. so I got some family around there, but I also have a lot of unfriendly, you know, people associates that were into bad stuff, and so. After my second time in recovery, I, I pretty much was like throwing a dart at the map. I was like, you know, find a place as far away from Binghamton as possible so I can go there and live there and start fresh. So that's what I did, and that's how I ended up up here. Did you come to rehab up here? No, I went to St. Joe's in Saranac Lake. And okay, and after St. Joe's, you came said? Came up to MHAB. Yeah. Yep. How long were you in St. Joe's for? 90 days. It was actually 30 days, but I asked them to 
get me to 90 days because yeah. I just wanted to do everything, you know, take as much time as I could to do what I need to, you know, stay clean this time. Are you a, you're a hero, IV heroin user? Yeah. Did yep. you, did you start young? No, I mean, I didn't get into the harder stuff until about 24. I smoked weed and cigarettes from 16 up until that point and, you know, did a little bit here and there, but never, nothing like that until 24. So it was pretty short run comparable to, right. you know, other people that have gone through. And how old are you now? 29. And you've been here at MHAB for? About a year and nine months. So going on two years. And yep. then 90 days. So we need to kick you to hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. to move on. And he's working on it. He's got <laughs> yeah, get him out of for here. an apartment. And he's, I mean, he's, he's now a leader in our organization. So he's doing really great just stuff. Hey, so Justin, um, so what, can you talk to me a little bit about where you went from smoking pot, smoking cigarettes, to the, making the leap to shooting heroin at 24? Oh yeah, well, it was actually more of like a, a girlfriend association. So I got involved with uh, someone that was into that kind of stuff. And that's, I, it didn't start right away. I was with them for a year, year and a half before I ever even thought about trying it. I was actually, the plan was to help her get off of it. And I had known her for years. So it wasn't just like a random, you know, so that might've helped towards, you know, actually, cause who just jumps into something like that, but. It's always women. <laughs> Every problem I've had in my life started, started with that. So I'm with you, Justin. But, I mean, it just happened, you know, things happen. But that's, so I, I ended up wanting to relate. And so I, I started doing it. And she even told me not to, but I did it anyway, you know. So it was all my fault. It wasn't really her fault, but she was into it. And that's how I got curious and got started into it. Did you, uh, you're, you're an IV user. I was. Do you, well, yeah. Thank <laughs> you for that. You're not anymore. <laughs> you, you were. Uh, did you? Do you have any of the long-term ramifications like Hep C or any of that stuff? Or yeah, I'm actually uh, stay? getting into the treatment for that. Yeah, good for you. yeah, good for you. Yep. That is uh, one of those synonyms. Thank God the treatments are so good now. It's almost. If deep. I didn't have insurance, it, I would never be able to afford it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, good. We have specific <laughs> questions we're going to ask you in a little while. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he seems very excited. He does seem very excited, doesn't he? Brianna, so you're young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about your, uh, your, your life and what happened to you and how you wound up up here. So um, I started using drugs, drinking, all that at r around 13. Yeah, you were young. Um, 12, 13. Um, I uh, <laughs> I don't really know. What to say. Do you want me to just start with like how I got to Plattsburgh and then kind of go from yeah, there? Yeah. Well, I think I I'd even be interested. You're not from here, obviously. No, you're from, I'm not. You said you're from Rome or the Utica area. Is that yep. right? You uh, just your family, mother, father, siblings. Yep, just ended up there. I lived in the same house for 18 years. Um, really? Yeah. yeah. And my mom. Um, <laughs> my mom is. An, an alcoholic and my dad's an addict and um you know my family's very informal like it wasn't you know i was able to drink like we had a, at my aunt's we had a bar in the basement christmas you know whatever it is at 13 14 you could go downstairs and take a shot it was what it was you know right um and you know i mean i think that i think with the life that i was living and, and what i was put around and, and grown up around and how um drugs were Drugs weren't like too far off. Like they weren't this thing that was told to me. Like you know, you got the the bear in school that they have, and like drugs are bad. But like that's not how it was taught to me by my parents. Like right. nobody really um, 
really sat down and had that talk with me. Um, I remember one specific time that my grandpa's also an addict. He's 29 years sober now, um, or clean. And he, my mom sat me down one day and she said, you know, be careful of drugs because you can get addicted. And that was like it. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. So like, um, <laughs> so then I just kind of, um, you know, the people I was surrounding myself with, it was, you know, everybody was doing drugs. It was older people. It was like, you know, Molly, whatever, you know, Coke, whatever. Yeah, it was, you know. Yeah, because you're newer. This is in like the 2014, 13, 15 era. Yeah. So how did so so you're in Rome or that area? How did you wind up in Plattsburgh? Plattsburgh. So um, I was 18 and I was mixed. You know, still doing what I was doing, and um, so I actually came up here. Sorry. Um, I actually came up here with a friend who was trying to sell drugs and. I and they're like, oh, come up to Plattsburgh, this and that, and all this stuff. And normally, I don't go with people I don't trust. But I mean, at that point, like, really, was was this like too far off from what I was doing? So I came up here, and um, so I had uh, drugs in my pants right here, and I did not put them inside of me because I was too scared to die. Um, and um, <laughs> they were like, um, so this smart was, drug addict. Yeah. I like that. Yes. Yeah. I was like, nope, that is not wrapped enough. Um, so, um, uh, this cop, the state, tr- or actually, no, we got pulled over by the canine unit yep. um, as we were, you know, coming up, smoking crack in the car and all this stuff. So the person that was driving um, didn't have their license on them. They had like a picture of their license. And I'm like, girl, I got mad drugs back here. You got <laughs> to have your stuff on you. So um, she, um, so then she gets out of the car because, you know, at this point we just have no anything. Um, and he pulls a bag out of her pocket because she had like a little bag of like crack coke whatever it was in her bag and in her pocket and I was like oh my god I'm going to jail today (laughs) I'm going to jail and that's exactly what happened I went to jail um and you know so I'm 18 years old I had no priors I had never you know gotten really in trouble I mean by my parents and stuff but other than that anything else it was stuff I could get bailed out of um so they um my parents bailed me out and I go home and I'm back to doing the same stuff they told me that I had to go to outpatient, you know, all that stuff, and and then I finally get on drug court. They, t- you know, I signed the paper. They're like, "Oh, you got to stay sober for a year." I'm like, "Yeah, I could do that. Whatever." Um, was that Clinton <laughs> County Drug Court, or yes. were you back in? You, I was so back in Rome, but yeah. I you got was, sentenced up here. Sentenced. But I got what sentenced was your, up here. What was what was the? They arrested you for what possession? Yep, possession. Okay. Of, um, it was a B felony. Yeah. So was it intent to sell? Is that why you got just just possession? Just possession. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah. 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 <laughs> really no, lucky. No, no doubt. Yeah. You went home, but you had to come back up here for your sentencing. Yep, I came back literally for like two years. I I came up once a month, basically, <laughs> yep. for court. So you lived in, well, you were in drug court. They let you live back home, but you had to come up here. So you went to probation, I assume, down there? Um, Not until I, I got sentenced. There was like nothing except for the outpatient that I had to you know, yep. go to, and that was just to make myself look good, which really did no help because, you know, I couldn't stop doing drugs, so right. it was, like, pointless. Um, yeah, and one day I I slipped up. I didn't, you know, I started, I was only drinking, and I started using drugs again, and, you know, and the detoxes didn't work. Uh, so right. I um, took a drug test, and I... <sighs> 
piss dirty, pee dirty or whatever. And um, it's yeah, okay. Piss dirty is acceptable okay, like, yeah, on our start. podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to like. <laughs> you'll hear, I'm like, you'll hear a lot of four-letter words. <laughs> yeah, we're okay, good with that. Good. It's all good. You're <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then they sent me back up to Plattsburgh, um, and I went to jail. And I remember they were telling me that I had to live in Plattsburgh. And I'm like, I'm not living in here, <laughs> in Plattsburgh. I'm going home. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but obviously, that's not a, my decision anymore. <laughs> right. um, so they told me that I had to live in Plattsburgh. And he gave me a date. And he said, if you did not sleep over the night before um, this date and, you know, coming to court at 1130, then you were going to prison. And I was like, I'll be here. So I came up here. I called the homeless thing. Um, the homeless line, yeah. and I stayed in some hotel. I walk into the hotel, there's coke on the side table. I'm like, you're not gonna get me again, and I wiped it off. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so then the next day, I think I went to a meeting because my friend um, back home got shot in the head, and I was like, and I remember I was standing outside a coffee cat, and I knew that there was a bar, I think it was like Olive Ridley's or yeah. something like that, I and I, um, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I could go find drugs, because I know if I go to a bar, I can find drugs, um, and going in coffee cat and I go into coffee cat and I'm sitting there and probably on my third latte and I go up to Patty and I'm like listen I'm an addict I and mind you I've never admitted that I was an addict before mm -hmm. ever and I um I'm like I'm an addict I need help I I don't know um I don't know what to do I don't know anybody here I, I need a meeting and um so she's like go sit down at that table and if you move i'm gonna tackle you <laughs> um and she uh, i'm like okay and she's a little bit bigger so you know and i'm kind of small so <laughs> i'm like i sat there and i drank my coffee and this kid comes in and he happens to be um a member of aa and he brought me to a meeting and i kid you not two minutes before i share everything that's going on you know my friend just died and this and that somebody was really close to me um you know i'm homeless i live in this town i don't know anybody Tanya walks in right before I'm going to share. And when I, I always cry when I say it, but, and then after Deb um, came up to me and she's like, if you need a place to stay, then we have beds. And that's how I ended up in Plattsburgh and at the Mary DeVoe house. Did you go to rehab um, or did you go right to Mary I didn't DeVoe? go to rehab. I did not, no. I, I, you know, somehow I did not end up in rehab. They kept trying to put me in rehab and I'm like, I'm not going there. <laughs> and so I kept talking people out of it and mm. I, I missed the whole thing. So I kind of detoxed in jail. Are you still on drug court today? Yes. You said, what phase are you in? Three. So you're almost, you're at the end. Yeah. Justin, did you have any uh, criminal stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I had a couple petty larcenies, uh, stealing from like Walmart and stuff yep. like that, and uh, possession of drugs. Nothing like. Major, you didn't have like her kind of criminal amounts. stuff, though. You didn't have drug court have or any of, no, none no. of that. No probation. Pro I had three years probation. When you came up here, I finished. I had was halfway through when I came up here, so I had rec not that long ago I'd finished it. Yep. So, sorry. Go ahead, Brianna. So it feels like like divine intervention. I mean, talk about a series of fortunate events that kind of took you through this path. Patty, the owner of Coffee Cat, clearly made a phone call and somebody showed up and took you. I mean, all of these things just happened. That's amazing. Patty's been one of the, you know, I've been involved in a lot of addiction stuff up here and things to help the community. And Patty's been an incredible supporter over the years. I can't tell you the number of meetings between people that have happened at the Coffee Cat over the yeah. years. And she has just been a huge, Such she's a like a kind of a 
you know, mother. So yeah. she, uh, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. that she would, t and she would have tackled you probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She seemed serious. Yeah. Yeah. Like her oh, voice yeah. got real stern. I was yeah, like, she, she <laughs> no, no doubt about it. So you've been at Devo So you've been at Devo for how long now? Sixteen months, somewhere around. Sixteen months. Sixteen, seventeen. I just celebrated eighteen. Somewhere, somewhere between sixteen and seventeen months. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Do you like it up here? What do you think of up, up here now that you're living up here? I love it up here. You do? I've been connected with all the, like, I swear I came to Plattsburgh and was connected with all of the best people that I possibly could have mm -hmm. met in this area. Like, I mean, I don't think that, um, I did go to a couple meetings back in Rome and, yeah. um, you know, and they're, they're great, but it's like, there's nothing like Plattsburgh. Yeah. There's nothing like Plattsburgh. It's for a pretty recovery. strong recovery community if it you is. if you kind of open your mind and and just you know yeah. keep going back a little bit. How do you feel about it up here? Is your plan to stay in in yeah, the Plattsburgh? Yeah, I, I really like it. Now it's funny though because you know people that grew up here, you'll hear them talk, "Oh, Plattsburgh sucks," or it's not. But they don't know like the town mm -hmm. I came from was real ghetto. You know that's an interesting statement. I I was born and raised up here, <coughs> and I was involved at a very young age, and you know the whole lifestyle and I was one of those people I couldn't wait to leave couldn't wait to leave and I, I moved to Poughkeepsie first and then I moved to Danbury and I actually worked in New York and I partied and did all that and and you know when I came back here when I was 27 I'd gotten that out of my I'd seen the other side I'd seen the lifestyle in a bigger area and what it was like and I was like you know Plattsburgh does have something that those places don't have and, and mm -hmm. you're right though if you live I, and I suppose it's like a city. If you're born and raised in a city, you come up here and you might not like it at first, but after a while you begin to appreciate it and you probably also miss, you know, the home and your family and, and things. But, yeah, you're right. Plattsburgh is a, is a I think we have a strong <coughs> recovery base up here. I think that we're pretty insulated from a lot of the world's ills, um, you know, because it's such a small community. And yet you still have access to a lot of things that you can do you know, up here in cities and places if you need it, so. And I think that our community, so you've got both recovery community and then community <coughs> community that's really, <coughs> really, really strong. And I do think that we have a community that looks out for each other and we want to, we want to make our community a better place. It's a, uh, and it is kind of special. And I think we're just the right, you know, we're the right size for that. You know, you can know most of the people mm -hmm. that you can mm -hmm. run into. If you need something, there's always a resource. Somebody's willing to raise their hand and say, I'm willing to help you out. Um, it's a community <coughs> where, where if, you, if you let it kind of, if you let it sink in, you can easily become so part of it because we're very welcoming. So I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. You know, first off, you're an MHAB resident. You're a DeVoe House resident. DeVoe came before we did. And I've known Loretta since the day Loretta came into recovery, and she was on the podcast. And mm -hmm. I think Loretta would probably tell you that when we first met, we were not necessarily fans of each other, although we've grown to be pretty <laughs> pretty great friends. Hard over to believe you and Loretta <laughs> didn't get along when you first met. Maybe oh. we're both just a not little too right. opinionated. But we've grown to be really great friends. And I remember when she started the DeVoe House, how how great it was in this area. You know, the halfway house that we used to have, that we have here, Twin Oaks, used to be co-ed. And then when it went away from co-ed, God, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, there was no woman's place up here. It was all just mm. men. And, and we're like, my God, we need something for women. And when the DeVoe House opened, she had no struggle in getting people into the beds. I mean, there were plenty of women that needed it. And, and there have been tremendous 
uh, success stories out of there. Uh, there have been some failures too, as there are in every recovery community. But what they've done over there is just fabulous. How many? What? How many does she house over there? You have nine. Um, we go from nine to ten, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. And you guys are all so that's a, like a pure recovery living house. You guys are all kind yeah. of responsible. You're supposed to pitch in financially. You yeah. pitch in with chores, that kind of yeah. stuff. Is that yep. is that how it works? Yep. Yeah. Everybody, you know, does does their part in the house. Yep. And there are specific house rules that you have to uh, that you have to abide by in order to live in the house. Yep. There's like um you can't get into you know any legal extra legal legal troubles you know yeah. um curfew uh, you know respect each other figure out if you got a problem with somebody figure it out <laughs> like you know no overnight guests probably no overnight uh, guests no but you can have overnights outside of the house I was gonna so. say you can leave and go yeah. stay somewhere else you just have to let them know that you're going yeah kind of is that is that right it's pretty yeah when you first moved into the house Brianna how was that structure for you was it I mean were you okay with it or was it hard to hard to get used to I was terrified yeah I was absolutely terrified I didn't um I didn't understand what safe was so to bring me into that environment, I mean, the doors are locked, like, and these people want to help me. And I'm like, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> but it's like, and it's hilarious because like, you know, if somebody were to come up and give me a bag of drugs, I would immediately trust them. <laughs> right. But I mean, they were trying to hand me food and like blankets and sheets and like, you know, make sure that I have like, you know, soap and stuff. And I'm like, who are these people? I hated it. And I, you know, I, I freaked out for like a good three months. What do you want? <laughs> like, what do you want from me? Yeah, Why are like, you giving me? You if you're giving me blankets, <laughs> yeah. you must want something yeah. from me. And like the soft knocks on the door, I've never dealt with that before. My mom used to just. <laughs> <laughs> Did something change in you? Did something happen that just made you become more trusting? Was it one event, or did you just decide one day that okay, these people really don't want to harm me; they just want to help me? Or was there any defining moment there, or was it just gradual? Um. You know, I can actually remember the exact day I realized that I loved that place and that, you know, something had changed in me. Yeah. I was in my, I was out outpatient um, and I was talking to my counselor and I thought that I was going to get sanctioned because I missed an appointment on drug court. So I thought that if I got sanctioned that they weren't going to hold my bed and I was going to lose the house. Mm -hmm. And I was freaking out, like bawling, I'm freaking kicking, screaming, like not having it. And then, you know, when it's you know, I talked to Tanya and she was like, yeah, we'll hold your bed. Like, why would you even think that? But, you know, that was my thought that I would lose that house. And that's when I really realized that um, that I love that house and I love the people in it. And after that, that's when I started to more appreciate the things that were around me. Right. It is that defining moment. What was your experience when you came to MHAB like? Well, I was curious. I wasn't sure what I was getting into at first, but it really <laughs> turned out to, like an awesome opportunity. Like, you know, you use it the way it's designed to like look where I'm at now, you know, I'm st I've been working at the same, at the Northeast Group now since within a week of moving into MHAB and I'm yeah. still working there and like you said, I moved up to a lead position now and it's, I'm really loving it, like it's, 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 it's a good stepping stool for sure, yep. it, you know, it gives you tools and opportunities, you know, you, you did everything you could to, to make a good setup for everybody there, I really like it. Yeah, that, you know, it's funny that that was, you know, these whole sober living communities are kind of a new trend. They're, they're not halfway houses, but they have some structure, a little bit of structure. We're actually at MHAB less structured than they are at DeVoe. Uh, we're a little more, uh, you know, free with the people we don't, like, does Tanya, Tanya doesn't live at the house. Her and Pete live off the house, yeah. but she's, she's there. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have somebody 
at the residence, but there is somebody on site, and it's somebody that's in recovery. So it's not dramatically different. Maybe just yeah. a little less structured. We don't have the curfews that yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do have no overnight guests just because it could become a, you know, crazy. What I like about what you just said, Justin, is that if you use it the way it was designed, there are, and right, you, and I think you took advantage of virtually every single resource that was available there. You know, you got yourself involved. Not to um, mention there's a recovery center across the parking lot, yeah. too. Like a, well, like a, was it always a recovery? Always, like a, always yeah. to recovery center. Like drop not, not like a, you know what I mean? Like they got resources. They, they had, it was a real big help to me at first when yeah. I first started there. I didn't have like anything. I had a couple bags of clothes. So being yeah. able to use the computers over there or go over to play games or, you know, for my free time or it was really nice. and. Just to have yeah. something to do, too, and people. There yep. were always people there, right? People to talk to. So I know support. that you got involved with a few people over there, or people that we work with, and got into hiking and running and doing some of that. Is that right? Yeah. Stuff that you didn't do before? Oh, I love doing stuff like that. I just didn't have, like, mountains to hike where I came from. So, right. But I like I like exploring, like going out in the woods and mm -hmm. stuff like that or going on adventures. So now being up here in the mountain area, it's really it's nice going on hikes. I didn't get to do that before. So now you have, you came to MHAB and you were still on probation. Mm -hmm. You didn't have a license, a car, you had none of those things. So tell us about some of the, you know, some of that part of your life that has changed and evolved in the Didn't past. Didn't you help him with this? 16 months. Did I? I don't know that I did. I think Franny did. No, I think Franny did. No, as far as the, uh, you talk oh, about, like, the license, like, yeah. when I, so when I came up here after working for so long and saving up, I knew I had a year suspension on my license, but after a year had passed and I still didn't have it, I had to look into why it wasn't there and I realized I had an old ticket for driving with no inspection. The simplest little thing is just holding it as a suspension. So I had to get a hold of the court from where I moved from, uh, send a plea of guilty to it, pay the fines, which ended up to about 300, including the oh. suspension. Which would have been a $50 fine if you had paid it at the time, probably. probably but you didn't. But you so know, the yeah, subcharge and everything. So yep. I paid it off, got my license back, and then, you know, saving up. And then my dad, my stepmom, had a vehicle that they didn't need and actually brought it up from Florida for me to, right. to use. And so that's how I got that. How do your parents feel about how you're doing now? They, they think I'm doing great, which, I mean, I am doing, I feel like I'm doing great. You know, they're really happy to see me where I'm at right now compared to where I was. How do your parents feel about what you're doing? Um, amazing, and I think also a little insecure. <laughs> <laughs> they're a little insecure about how well you're doing because, yeah, really. because they struggle with addiction themselves. Every so time I talk to them, they constantly um, <laughs> they tell me about their drinking. Right. <laughs> I didn't ask you. <laughs> right. But yeah, they're really happy with me. And when I made my amends, they were really like, you know, my mom just said she wants me to just live my life like um, the way that I'm living it and explore everything and, and do everything that I want to do. Isn't it funny that people who are, that struggle with it, they want us all to do well, but then they become uncomfortable when we're doing well because they know <laughs> yeah. at their core, they're like, I probably should do something too, but I'm just not going to do it. Well, it is. 
and if, but if it's your parents, you know, I mean, yeah. parents, we have guilt if we, you know, our, our children have gone down a dark path, we have some guilt thinking that we're responsible. You know, I'm going to tell you a story that I tell every, every, every two weeks on the podcast. <laughs> Betsy has a daughter that's an addict who we help to get clean, and she's been clean now, what, seven years? She'll be eight Ooh. years wow. in eight, September. Eight years. It's so nice. exciting. But her daughter is just an addict because Betsy caused that. So we blame Betsy he for the whole. Yes, we remind her that. me for her addiction. Yes. Yes. Oh at every, so I'm like. I had to bring her to rehab twice. <laughs> and I'm not her father. I'm not her, you know, I'm just like the pseudo father. That, no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great experience. Sure. It was a great experience. So um, what do you want to do with your life? How, oh. you're, you're young, right? How old are you? 20, I'm 21. 21. So wow. you're, you're really young. And you have almost coming up on two years. Yep, I'm, I'm 18 months, uh, two days ago. Yeah, my oh. wife, you know my wife, Liz, yes, got Liz. sober. Uh, when she, I think she was your age, 19 or 20 was the last time. She's now 24 or 25 years. So that that's really cool. You it have such awesome. a future ahead of you. I mean, it's just <laughs> is so inspiring to hear that. Not that you got sober when you were old. Either. <laughs> I got sober when I was 26 <laughs> too, and I'm like, Jesus, I wasn't this old guy. Like it's still, but when you think about say, like 19, is they're both really young. Yeah. Pretty cool. So what do you want to do with your uh, with your life? Um, if I were to. Uh, if I could choose, um, it would be I would like to build a giant nonprofit, like gigantic, um, and I would, I would have like kids from the hood or like places that I came from or like you know I guess like Chicago, like stuff like that, yeah. um, and have them flip houses. Um, I would teach them like real estate law. I'd teach them you know home how to be homeowners. Like you yeah. know I would give them trades like being uh, electricians and like all that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> and then also add on like addiction services and therapy and yeah. all of that and other family services and that's what it would be <laughs> I right. guess it's kind of it changes almost every day but that's my kind of initial goal yeah. as to what I want to do um, because I, I I have a huge um, I, I have a lot of brothers and sisters and I have a I think part of it comes from the guilt that I have for leaving them because I had to yeah. um, and you know I I have this thing where I want to save everybody and mm -hmm. it's like you know and it's it's hard to like cap that um but that's that's what I want to do you <laughs> know it's it keeps uh, coming up it's, it's interesting that it's really honorable. It, you know what you're talking about is kind of what we tried to do at MHAB albeit not a not-profit we did it as for-profit for a variety of reasons but we wanted it to be a life skills place where we could give people all of those things like it didn't yeah. matter what you struggled from if it was uh, mental health or just poverty or or addiction or whatever and give them all of the resources so that they have the ability to have this great life you know you and I should talk at some point about what you want to do and I will tell you that we've seen people who were at their worst like me you know at 26 years old I was you know broke and homeless and unemployed and unemployable and I mean I really was and you know today I'm 57 years old and you know I have a couple of businesses and we have them have and you know all of those things and that if you asked me at 26 if I ever thought that could happen that there was no no part of me that did but it was always a dream of mine that if maybe if I work hard I might have opportunity and when it comes to fruition you do realize and I love hearing young people be so inspired about wanting to do things like that because they are it is possible like it really is it really is very very cool what do you want to do with your life you know I'm not exactly sure yet I only know is that I just want to 
you know, enjoy every moment, you know, like whether I'm working or not, you know, I, life is an experience and you make of it what you want. So I just try to enjoy it, work and save yeah. up and move forward. So, all right, so let's ask the operative. Are you, with, uh, did you fall in love yet in recovery? No, and I'm actually with myself. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, very good. Great. Aren't you lucky? Awesome. That's I'm awesome. like the happiest I've been in a long time. And I got no kids, no girl, nothing. It's beautiful <laughs> It is amazing how when you have your guy and you have no women in your life, you're really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it that this that that Justin has, you know, you found That's a relationship so awesome. with yourself that you can live with, right? And you yeah. feel good about who you are and what you do and and you know you enjoy communing and spending some time out in the woods and hiking and just finding your center i think that's amazing absolutely amazing so i'm gonna put you on the spot because uh -oh. i know Ooh. so did you fall in love oh yes i <laughs> <laughs> was quick with it you're, <laughs> you're that's the first thing my sponsor said to me and i was like yeah okay <laughs> so we we, we know your significant other, and yeah, we yeah, love we your significant other, and he's, uh, I really think, the world of him. So tell me about, tell me a little about that. How did you guys meet? Uh, a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tinder. Boy meets girl on AA yeah. campus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that two sickies don't make a welly. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. <laughs> are you guys moving in together? Yes, we are. Oh, good yeah. for you. It so when will you leave DeVoe? Um, probably within the next week. Wow. Um, oh, wow. That's yeah, one quick. of the girls is going to help me <laughs> that used to live at DeVoe. She's got a big van. <laughs> so wow. That that's a big transition for you. Yeah. And then I have to, you know, Brandon is going to be there all the time. So <laughs> Which is going to make it quite a bit yeah. different yeah, than yeah, what it is right and now. Everything. Huh? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, relationships are not easy. So it's a great, you know, whatever. I think life's an adventure, and uh, and you yeah. got to make the most of it. But yeah. good, you know, it worked out for me. But I mean, for some people, it it I've seen it crash very badly, and I understand mm -hmm. what now, um, why people tell you not to get into a relationship because I thought it was like this whole like, you know, because of um, I don't. Know, I think I just thought people were trying to control me, but really it was yeah. because of that, like you know, finding yourself and being able to find that. And I mean, I was very gr good about setting boundaries and being able to have my specific time and, and work on myself and my relationship. Um, but not everybody is good at that. And, you know, and especially coming into recovery, I mean, we have codependency and like all that type of stuff that, you know, interferes with that. And I struggled a lot. <laughs> like yeah. in the beginning so listen there's no there's it's not like you get to take a class in in middle school or <laughs> no. elementary school like how to manage relationships how to how to how to set boundaries what you know we don't we don't get any of that there's no rule betsy's really yeah. good at it i mean she you've been married nine times shut up eight nine <laughs> oh, i've been married <laughs> several times and it's fine i've had my own Good for you. My own growth <laughs> path to find my way into navigating relationships. I'm really good at getting married. You are really good at getting married. You're just not really good at being married. You're not like very that. good at I, staying I, I married. Like, I like that. But yeah, I have so. come a long way. I'm in a great long-term relationship now. Albeit 272 miles apart. I was going to say, why does that apart? work so well? Because <laughs> you're 272, 272 miles apart. 272 miles apart. Right. But it works. We it works do like we do like John. John's a, lot. a good so, guy. You know, you bring up an interesting point, Brianna. That it's uh, 
you don't realize when you get into recovery that probably most of the pitfalls are not the pitfalls that we think they're going to be. You know, we think we're going to trip up over outside stuff. Mm -hmm. It's typically the inside stuff. And, and part of the reason why, you know, people like me that have been around a while and, and tell people that are newer not to get in it isn't because we don't want people to have a good relationship or fall in love or do any of those things. It's that the emotional swings of that oftentimes take people out. And, and you know, there's some interesting statements in recovery about, you know, we get these things from being in recovery. And then what happens is we, we start to when we when our life gets busy and full mm -hmm. the thing that we start to slip away from is the recovery the thing that gave us all of these great things is the thing that we start to slip away from and then when that happens and some crisis hits we're not prepared to handle it and that's when using becomes an option so it really does all tie in together like it's this, yeah. this big ball of stuff that if you tie it in together um you you know you you can do it but yeah it's it's, it's relationships particularly and whether it's a an intimate relationship with a significant other or family or work partners or any of that they really are difficult like it's it's they're just not easy to navigate so I'm, I'm glad that you have that perspective on it and you know let's be honest we love Brandon <laughs> I, you know really I've known his family for years and years and Good and people. you know I've known him now for a while and and yes I think that the recovery community that kind of looked at you too said Oh boy, this is a really like terrible <laughs> idea. But I will tell you, when my wife and I got together, and we've been together now for 21 years, the, it was the same thing. People in recovery were like, "This is not going to work. They're not." And there's no magic bullet to it. It's sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And if you stay connected, the recovery piece, it, it can work out. I know? was going to comment yeah. that I think you and Liz, in particular, yeah. your connection to your recovery community yeah. has has helped your relationship flourish and, uh, and I think she won't even sit next to me if we go to meetings well, but that's because I I like want to talk to her throughout the whole, whole meeting and she, she gets wants married. to pay attention she, yeah she's like I want to listen and I'm like I don't care what hard to believe you want to have your own agenda in the middle of something else going on around you. I'm just saying yeah. it's you know it's probably common. so all right so how old are you you're 28 29 29, Give somebody that's 25 that's coming into recovery in a new community, doesn't know what the hell they're doing, what any of that stuff, what should they do? Give them some advice. Well, they should focus on themselves, you know. Like, that's what I did. I got my life in order. Just focus on myself, and that was the best decision I ever made, and that really helped me get on the path mm -hmm. to a right direction, at least. And did you do 12-step meetings? Do you do 12-step stuff? Or At first you? I did, and I mean, I, every now and then, I, more or less, I, what I do is I go to church. I found a religion, yep. you know, and that's yep. one of my main things is I go to church every Sunday religiously, and yep. I'm not perfect by any means, but I try to live a better life. Good you for have you. A you have, yeah. you have community at church, people that you're friends with, yep. that kind of yep. stuff. It's a very nice, yep. a smaller church, so everybody knows most everybody, and good for you. It's a good, yeah. So we got a 19-year-old girl coming into recovery in a town she doesn't know. What would you tell her? <sighs> Find the nearest meeting and stay there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And you're a 12-stepper, I assume. Oh, yeah. You do, you do <laughs> yeah. an awful lot of that. Um, that's worked for you. You're connected. You go pretty regularly. Yep. Yeah. So what other advice would you give them? Anything else? Um, I guess no boys. 
Um, and <laughs> uh, find the Mary DeVoe house. <laughs> That's great. Loretta's going to be very yeah. thankful for yeah. your little, you know, your your little public service announcement yeah. for the Mary DeVoe I, house. I will push. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a pusher when it comes to DeVoe. Yeah. I can't help it. Well, it's yeah. a it's a woman only sober yeah. living community and I think that there's so much great value in having a place that you know for for women to be able to identify with other women through some of the real challenges um, mm -hmm. and 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 I think that that's uh, I think that that's key is finding some place where you have a connection that helps you center yourself right yeah. and I think you really got centered at the DeVoe house yeah. will you stay in Plattsburgh is this like home now for you or I mean not forever but is it does it feel like home um it does now yeah. I mean, I could I could do without the one ways, yeah. but uh, <laughs> the one ways, the one ways streets, streets <laughs> every street. Yeah, you miss one turn, you got to go all the way around. <laughs> 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 but, um, I could do without the one way street. You know, there's currently a proposal in the Common Council, or the, not a proposal. There was a survey that came out about whether or not they should change the one way streets to two way streets. They've been back and forth on yeah, a lot of those streets. A lot of them that are one ways what? have been two ways before. Yeah, yeah. To determine whether or not we should make one way the one way streets both. Two Depends ways. which regime is in power. That they, you know, sometimes. But the survey they, just came out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will be doing that. <laughs> Strongly worded comment. Will you, will you stay here? Yeah. Plattsburgh, like this is home for you now. Yeah, it's a good. It started off as a start, and it became something more than that. Now it, mm -hmm. it is pretty much like a new home to me. Oh, we would love to have both of you make an yeah, entire life here in this community because you're two very bright, yeah. young people that can make such a great community to making our community better. So I hope you both decide to stay. I hope we make you feel welcome enough that you can stay. So I, I have a couple of maybe last questions. Do you? So. You're a young black woman in a predominantly white community. And I don't like the racial divide or even necessarily talking about it, but have you experienced any racial negativity in Plattsburgh, particularly being a young black woman up here? I mean, uh, this is gonna sound extremely sad, but uh, living in, being a black woman in America, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. Like, it's, it's a constant thing, it's not, you know, there's a lot of there's different types of racism yep. um you know talking to people that are just you know uneducated uneducated or you know don't know how to live in you know with different colored people like mm -hmm. you know that just say things to you and you're like <laughs> or people that try to pet me um you know we have <laughs> i just started petting people back <laughs> but, um, well that's yeah. one way to do it yeah, there, like, there you go okay since we're doing this but yeah i definitely have um and i also um during the protest last year, I actually hooked up with some people and we created a small nonprofit called Chorus Coalition of Racial Equity. Um, and, you know, we we help in the community with, you know, stuff like that. Like, it's a racially motivated nonprofit. So yep. it's kind of finding that stuff. And it's been really cool. And, you know, and especially with the election, it's been scary. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I, I go back to Dave and, and when Dave and I became friends, you know, I, I'm a... I'm a registered Republican. I lean somewhat conservative, you know, and, and Dave is a very liberal black man. And, and at first, I don't know that we even thought we could get along. And then we sat and we had some conversations. And, and after some of our conversations, one of the things we both realized is that um, 
you know, for me, I realize that racism is alive and well more than I might want to think or acknowledge. For him, he recognized that everybody who is a Republican or a conservative isn't necessarily a bad racist. And, and I think that when, you, when you're able to sit and talk like that, you begin to realize that, forget about the color of somebody's skin or their gender or any of that, we're all way more alike than we are different. And if we could just get to that place where we recognize that, we'd live in such a better society. And you know, my hat's off to you for, for what you do. Can I ask you a kind of pointed question? Did you ever think that in the future you might run for office or do something in that arena? And I ask you that because you have a personality and a demeanor that, that says, that screams that kind of activist stuff. Um, so I actually, um, I actually have thought about it. <laughs> I'm not going to say I haven't. Um, right. I, I'm actually going to school in the fall. I'm Good going to SUNY. Um, and I, I think that I'm going to at some point. I mean, I'm a little scared being a black woman. I mean, you saw what they did to Michelle. Yeah. I mean, it was like she was just the first lady and people like attacked her like she was, you know. So, I mean, that scares me. But I think that I will one day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important for women, and particularly women of color, to find their voice and yeah. to use it for the greater good. It has to become a familiar sound in people's ears. We have to get acclimated to wanting to hear women speak. Mm -hmm. And so for young women like you to decide that I'm going to bravely, amidst all of my fear, take a step out into a public arena and have my voice heard, it's a huge deal to turning the tide to the way things are in the world. So congratulations, you'll get my, you'll get my support 100% if that's a path you decide to choose. I'm going to be microaggressive. You don't have any problem speaking. <laughs> was that microaggressive right there, was it? Was, it, was that a, a microaggression? Okay. You know what? So we have a great deal of fun doing this, and we, and, we, and we talk and we joke and we do that stuff because I think it's important also to be able to there's nothing humorous about some of the serious issues that are going on, but the more that we can invoke humor and, and be just people, I think the better off yeah. the better off we are. Humor and humanism, right? Yeah, and it just and is the reality is, you know, you're it's so right. Some of the greatest stressors in life, we have yeah, to have a yeah, little yeah, bit of comic relief to <laughs> to make it to make yeah. it real. Right? So we're gonna wrap up. Have anything else you want to add today? No, I just, I really appreciate all the support in this community and everything, and I'm glad I got to be a part of this. Aww, That's very so cool. Well, thank you for coming you. on. You know, it's, yeah. uh, oftentimes mm -hmm. people don't want to come and speak, you know, publicly or on, you know, put yourself on video or whatever. And I will tell you the first few times, you know, I've never really been a public figure, but the first few times I became, <laughs> I became <laughs> public. <laughs> the first few times I spoke publicly. And then you see yourself on camera and TV, I'm like, oh my God, do I actually look like that? Do I actually <laughs> sound like that? Oh my God, that's off. Like, that's off. I needed counseling to get over the fact that I look so bad and sound so bad. It was absolutely terrible. But at least your words are so inspiring. So, you know, it makes up for all the rest of... That was microaggressive. Right there. That was sarcasm. Yeah, I'm that was getting it. I'm figuring out how to be so. microaggressive. Yay! Do you have anything else that you would like to add? Um, no, not that I can think of, but thank you for having me on and, you know, thinking of me. Yes. <laughs> We're so we, glad to We actually you. would... would and I don't mean this as a slight to Justin because we love Justin <laughs> too, and, and we may ultimately bring him back because he'll be an MHAP graduate at some point. Yeah, and he we, will. We would like to do that. But I think that you have a unique story 
and not necessarily through anything you do, but just because of who you are. And we, we probably, because we think that in talking to Dave, you know, race and recovery and youth and recovery, which you are, are really important. And you fit a couple of those uh, kind of criteria. So we might, uh, <laughs> we, we might bring you back. Okay, sounds good. We might not, though. <laughs> 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 yes, did I just say that? <laughs> you did. We're going to be sorry. happy to check in with both of you and see how your path and your life continues on if you, uh, if you yeah, continue really to include cool. us and include your story in a way that can help others, which is really why we're here. And you tell Brandon from me that he should be very nice to you and he should be consider himself very lucky for being in a relationship <laughs> with you, with much like I consider like myself very lucky to be in a relationship <laughs> with my wife. I and wouldn't me. know. Well, and me, you're so And I have to, to have put me. up with you. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, do you have anything you want to add today? No. You sure? Yeah. Brittany? How do we do today? You, you you know what? We could suck and you would wouldn't tell us, would you? She would. I think she'd tell us. She would tell us in the <laughs> privacy of our own place. <laughs> she would find so. some very kind way Did to Did we come up with you. a new out, by the way? Oh my gosh, we, don't, we do. Because we can't, we're done with COVID. I know we are. So maybe we can do MHAB out. All right, so I want to say thank you for coming. And I'm really sorry that Betsy screwed up your invite. You <laughs> should have known beforehand yeah, to come so here. That was, a, that was my apologies. really wrong. And then when she first called you and talked to you on the phone, she didn't even acknowledge that she made a mistake. So after <laughs> we got off the phone, I said, wait a minute. This is like, you didn't even tell her that you. That it was all you. He doesn't understand that, you know, you don't introduce yourself with, oh my God, I screwed this whole thing up. You at least <laughs> want to make an introduction and say hi. Well, I would think you would be comfortable doing that. It happens most of the time. <laughs> like I would have thought by now you would have oh very comfortable about that. So we want to say, yes. that yes, thank you both. Thank you both for coming. Thank um, you. Please visit our site, mhab.org, mhabmarketplace.org. What other mhabs do we have, Brent? Is that it? mhabmarketplaces.com, not .org. I stand corrected. Maybe I should go on there occasionally. You might want to go on once or twice uh, and see if you can <laughs> see Once what again, we've very cool sweatshirt, very cool t-shirt. We're very happy about those two things. Do you have any th final words you want to say, wrap up? I, I only always want to say thanks to everyone who is listening in on the stories that we have to share and the people that we have to share. We're very fortunate, like I said, to have two amazing young people not from our area, come here for their path um, and hope that you'll stay and continue to grow our community into someplace incredibly special. You'll, uh, you'll, be, you'll be foundational to making that happen. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. That's what I got. We have to kick dirt on your white shoes. I'm Stop getting very annoyed. Picking on my white shoes. white shoes. We <laughs> <laughs> need to kick some dirt on those so they can be a little bit dirtier. All right, guys, thanks again. We will be back next week with it. What are we doing next week? Do we know? Next week, it's you and John Bernardi. Oh, me and Bernardi. Bernardi Cellini. And you're not going to be here. I'm not going to be here. And then here. the week after, you're not here either. We're not doing anything. No, we can. are. Oh, Me you and guys. We're going to do the production team. Telly and uh, oh, Telly and Brinny are going to get a little camera. And so play. I won't be back for <laughs> until three weeks, and we'll have Greg Freeman from uh, the UVM Health Network at CBPH. I get two weeks without you. You do. Oh my God, I'm so happy. It's going to be a great two weeks. All right, thanks again for coming, and we are. Mhab out. Mhab out. Mhab out. M -hab out. Thanks oh, for being okay. here.
Thanks for joining us today at Recovery Uncovered. No matter where you are in your recovery journey, or if you're supporting the recovery journey of a loved one, just know today is the first day of the rest of your life. Visit our website at mhab.org. And if you want to become an old timer in recovery, don't use and don't die. This has been Recovery Uncovered.